It's time for episode 463 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise. That's random, never a clockwise. Welcome back, linear to always podcast. That was brought to you by random.org. I'm Jason Snell. I'm going to do my best to ruin this podcast before Dan Warren gets back from paternity leave and across the table from me that's got a crack in it now because I think I broke it. It's Micah Sargent. Hi, Micah. Look, there's a, there's a, quickly, there's a scene in A Bug's Life where it's at the very beginning and a leaf falls down in the front of the path of the ants and they have to bring in a specialist to help them get around the leaf. <laughs> and I, I need a specialist because I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Well, that's okay. Uh, it's the podcast where we take 30 minutes, and other than parts where we speak randomly, we go in a very strict order and talk about four technology topics with two wonderful guests. To my left at this table, it is the co-host of The Rebound and a writer of many funny things about Apple uh, a lot of places, and also co-host of Biff on the Incomparable Network, an excellent podcast about superheroes that doesn't have its Dan this summer either. <laughs> it's John Moltz. Hi, John. That's right. Yeah. Without Dan this summer, we're all uh, we're hol- holding each other close. Well, let me talk about the guest to my left. It's the founder of The Heart of Tech. It's Carolina Milanese. Welcome back to the show, Carolina. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, uh, four topics, 30 minutes, two guests. You know the guests. You don't know the topics. That part is a surprise. Let's get started. (laughs) Um, I will kick us off. I am taking my kid to college orientation, uh, which is tomorrow. (laughs) I'm packing today So and doing a podcast. So I I thought about this because I'm going to have to do my packing. And I know everybody has different devices and has different strategies. I want to talk about chargers. What is your charger strategy when you are going somewhere else, at least overnight, if not for longer? What chargers do you bring? One, two. Do you have a big like power strip? Do you have a bunch of little ones? What's your strategy, John? Uh, first of all, congratulations. Uh, second of all, uh, this question presumes that I have a strategy and I'm not just throwing <laughs> things willy nilly into a bag, which is willy nilly is a strategy. <laughs> um, if it, it, it really depends. The last few trips that we have taken uh, over the past two years for fairly obvious reasons have been car trips. And when we take a car trip, of course, everything goes in. So that's not great uh, advice. I usually try and take one for everything, and then maybe, depending on what my son is bringing, some for him just in case because he has a tendency to forget which ones, you know, the right ones to bring and we'll leave one behind. I'll like, I'll make sure that I have like, you know, I, I, could, I could charge my my iPad through the same uh, charger as my my MacBook. So the, that I can I can do with one, but I'll take two just because if he needs a USB-C charger, then he's got one. Ages ago, Mophie made this really great little travel kit. Um, it sort of folds over and has a clasp on it. And inside was a wireless charger for the iPhone and a, uh, a charger that you can use in the car and then one that you can plug into the wall in a hotel or wherever you happen to be staying. Um, that, unfortunately, now is pretty outdated. But I did take the container, the little claspy bag thing, and put in modern chargers uh, for my devices. So it's got an Apple Watch charging puck in it. 
It's got an iPhone charger, and then instead of from Mophie, uh, the charger that's inside of it comes from Anchor, because Anchor makes those really delightful GAN chargers that are very small in comparison, and so I've got one of those in there to plug the things in that need to be plugged in. Uh, What about you, Carolina? Well, the charger is the easy part. The cables are the mess. Um, (laughs) Usually, I have an anchor that is a charger and battery pack. Um, So it's one of those that you can plug into the wall and use it as a charger and also then as a battery uh, just for emergency situations. And then I have a a USB-C wall charger by Ergentech. Um, that has three USB-C, so it fits my laptops, iPad Pro, and, uh, um, you know, my watch and, and phone. And it's, it's fast charging as well. So I love that. And, you know, that helps me, especially when I'm staying at hotels and things to have everything where I need it, which is on the bedside table. Right now, I'm using a product that unfortunately is, is, um, sold out, but I love it. It's the hyper. Um, stackable GAN 100 watt USB-C charger. And it basically, it's three USB-C ports and a USB-A port. And at that point, I can charge pretty much everything, Apple Watch, iPhone, iPad, and and really laptop, if I bring a laptop with me too, with one charger, which is pretty great. That is the promise. You know, that's the dream. But, you know, I change my uh, charging strategy every year and probably all of you do too. And that's just, that's just life. But the dream is these powerful chargers uh, that are USB-C and almost everything uses USB-C and eventually it'll all be easier. (laughs) Uh, John, what do you have for us? Well, about a month ago, there was this rumor that Apple was forced to cut back on iPhone orders from, I think it was 90 million to 81 million uh, because of supply constraints. And then this week, there was a rumor that Apple believes that it's going to not sell. (laughs) It's not going to sell 90 million, as it believed, but 95 million instead. So my question is, uh what? (laughs) Um, Do you read Apple rumors and uh, do you put in in stock in any of them at all? I guess it can be a strategy question, just like the previous question. (laughs) How do you handle it when and how do you handle it when someone asks you about uh, these all these crazy Apple rumors? For myself, I just am constantly wearing a skeptic's hat uh, and perhaps even skeptic's glasses uh, about all of these things and just kind of uh, look at it through, I don't know what the color of skepticism is, green tinted <laughs> shades, perhaps. Um, when, Especially when it comes to these kind of numbers things, there are always those, uh, this is how much it costs to make the iPhone. And I roll my eyes at those. And I, you know, I, I think that the same thing applies here whenever we're talking about how much Apple is paying for this and the conversation about, oh, a product is delayed. And it's like, is it delayed if it doesn't even exist yet? Um, right. I don't work for the company. So from my perspective, a thing is not delayed if it doesn't exist yet yet uh, versus, you know, working internally and feeling differently. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess it's all with uh, not even just a, a you know, a, a grain of, of skepticism salt, but a full tablespoon of skepticism salt. Uh, <laughs> Carolina, you uh, have That's to keep job. an eye on this stuff. So tell us about <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not making rumors, but yeah, for a long time, uh, you know, I was in the business of forecasting uh, both sales and, you know, market share and market overall. 
And, uh, you know, it's not actually an easy job. Um, and I'm glad that I don't have to do it anymore. But of course, I pay attention to what the market dynamics are. And I think that particularly now you have, you know, two parts. One is that Apple doesn't give you sales volumes anymore. So everybody's there trying to <laughs> figure out what those are based on, you know, pricing and supply chain information. And then you have how complicated the supply chain is right now. Uh, do I pay attention? Of course, because again, it's part of my job. Do I take it with a grain of, co- of salt? Absolutely. Things change very, very quickly in, in this market. There are different reasons why you pay attention to sales rumors. And then you have, you know, design rumors and product rumors and all of that. And I think those are a bit more, is an even smaller grain of salt, I think, that, especially when it comes to Apple. Jumping off of what Carolina said, yeah, with Apple rumors, especially um, crazy Apple rumors, or as we call them, cars. Um, <laughs> the, that's a reference to John's website. Uh, the they uh, there are ones that are good. Like Ming Chi Kuo has made uh, a a little bit of a sub business out of knowing about the supply chain in Asia, and like he's got really good sources who are the suppliers who are supplying parts to Apple, and from that he can glean a lot of details about it. Supply chain is one of those places where it's very hard to keep a secret because there's a lot of people involved and a lot of suppliers involved, and yes, Apple gets grumpy when things leak, but there is a limit to how grumpy they can get because they still need the parts. Um, stuff from inside Cupertino is tougher. Mark Gurman gets a lot of stuff that I think comes from people inside Cupertino. But with his reports, you can see how it's got holes in it because nobody's knowledge inside Cupertino by design is that complete. And so he has to make leaps or he has to compare what different people are telling him, Uh, you know, take it all with a grain of salt, but also don't just discount it. I think a lot of those um, those kinds of sources, people, you know, and you recognize their name are trustworthy. Then there are like the leakers, as they call them, where like those people like sometimes they're right and sometimes they're completely wrong. But until they build up a track record um i I, you know i think that their sources are shaky and you just can't you just can't trust in them um and and then yeah some of these sources that are like talking about what what uh you know what the orders are and all of that i kind of dismiss those altogether because i'm usually really skeptical of those those reports those seem to be pretty shaky so i don't know it's it's hard there's a whole like mental game that i've built in my brain over 25 years to try and figure out what i discount and what i pay attention to sometimes they're really fun thought experiments but um never ever ever you know Put money down based on something you hear in an Apple rumor. Please, I beg you. It, it does depend on who's speaking. And I think you're right. Uh, like Michi Kuo and German both, uh, they have fairly decent track records. They're worth paying some attention to for sure. And, and then I try to just, for the most part, not pay attention to the rest of the discussion because usually that stuff is much more loosely based. And the thing that gets frustrating sometimes for me, though, is when people ask me, you know, peep other people, you know, lay, more lay people read these things and are like, oh, I hear the, you know, like, and then it's like, okay, well, you got to now you have to talk somebody mm-hmm. down off of a ledge because they've read something that's been out there that's not here. There's really no iPhones this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Something <laughs> like that. All right, folks, with that, it is time for halftime. And I am pumped to say that this episode of Clockwise is brought to you by you guessed it. It's text expander. Yes. Uh, when you work in a small team, 
You know that every single moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing details to send to a new client. You don't want to track down the same FAQs from the company website. And hey, you don't even need to be working in a team to want these things. I uh, regularly have to send out a Zoom link for Clockwise, this podcast we're doing right now. And I've got that tucked away in a handy dandy text expander snippet. It helps you get work done faster. And text expander lets you access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes. That means working faster and eliminating repetition so you can focus on those things that you actually want to focus on. The powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work or your individual work, and all you have to do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest for you. You just build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, all right within Text Expander, and then create your chosen abbreviation and it'll be there wherever you type. You can even customize the snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and more. So that way you can keep the personality and the communication you send while also making sure that it's accurate. And folks love this. It's available on any device you use across any app you use. That's on Mac and iOS, yes, but also on Windows and Chrome. Check out text expander today at textexpander.com slash clockwise and that will get you 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash clockwise to say goodbye to repetitive typing. And our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show. Thank you, Text Expander, and thank you for making my days a little bit easier. Back from the break, and it is time for my topic. Um so I am not personally a parent of humans, but I am curious. I believe all three of you are parents. Um, what are your thoughts on Snapchat adding a new feature, uh, some new parental controls that lets parents know with whom their kids are speaking, but not what the messages are that they're sending. So it gives you the ability to kind of see who your kids are talking to without having to go all the way into uh, what. So it's kind of trying to balance that privacy. And I am curious, in general, you are all fairly techie people. How have you balanced privacy and safety as a techie parent? Carolina, we'll start with you. I understand what Snapchat is trying to do, and my kid is not a user, but it's who they're talking to, but at the same time, you give them the privacy of what they're talking about. So if there are, you know, alarm bells that who they're talking to are, are rising, then you can, you can follow up from there. But I do think that having conversations and explaining the wise versus spying on them to some extent or using technology to stop certain things. I don't know that ultimately that is a winning game just because they're going to outsmart me and they find ways around it. But it's interesting how given that my kid just started high school uh, last uh, week, the bullying and social media, those topics were a very hot topic at orientation day. The, you know, the idea that you are who you are, no matter if you are in real life or on social media. So it is, I appreciate that schools are also doing more to raise awareness of what is out there. The Snapchat feature, I kind of like it in the sense that it is really high level um, and it's giving parents kind of 
information about what's going on with their kids if they want to look there without it being the detail of like your parents are spying on you. And I think that there's something to that. Again, if there was an issue where they were trying to bypass you, uh, they would. So don't like just don't even just don't even try. I, I think being above board and having those communications and saying, um, you know, here's what here here's what's going on with social media and how you should behave and how you should handle it. I think that's how it has to be as out in the real world talking to your kids because. Um, that I just that that was always has always been my approach is this the 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 hard like I'm going to tell you what to do and you're not allowed to do this and all that like I don't know we were all kids too it doesn't work it it really doesn't work if they're <laughs> if they're committed to it forget about it John I, I'm uh, very glad to hear you both say that because I thought it was just me being outsmarted so <laughs> I was a little concerned uh, but yeah I, I had basically the same experience my son is 18 now so it's much less of an issue obviously um, but uh, it's I, I do like I like this feature because I think it it sort of lets you not pry too much but know if if something bad might be happening for you know good parents that's really the concern like you want your child to be able to grow and you want them to have like a normal childhood and also be able to explore who they are and figure things out for themselves and the concern i think with a lot of these things is simply that uh parents who are abusive will misuse them and try to restrict their children from doing just those things that are normal and the kinds of things that kids and teenagers should be allowed to do in order to express themselves. So it's always a concern when stuff like this comes out as to whether or not the tech companies are getting, you know, getting it correct and not creating something that's going to cause further damage to some of these kids. So uh, it's a conversation that is difficult, but one that, you know, I think we're going to keep having for quite some time. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for your answers on that. I wanted to make room for uh, the parents on the panel and hear kind of your thoughts on that. So let us move on to our final show topic, which comes from Carolina. I just finished uh, watching the Samsung Unpacked, uh, where Samsung now in August traditionally unfolds their, <laughs> their foldables. Uh, and uh, um, I am curious if you think that um, foldables are a true need. Um, you're interested in it, um, or you're just waiting to see what Apple is going to do in this segment. I'm intrigued. I'm glad. I'm glad Samsung is trying all of this. I think it's the typical thing where. Um, Samsung and Apple are being themselves, which is Samsung is always about just uh, creating stuff out in public and seeing what happens. And Apple doesn't do that. Apple keeps it all in a lab. And I have no doubt that Apple has been there have been even reports like what John said. Are they valuable? Are they useful? I don't know. But reports that Apple has been working on folding stuff in the lab. Nothing has come of it. Maybe it'll be a few more years. Um, sometimes that works on uh, benefits Apple and sometimes it benefits Samsung to be out there and learn things. I think that Samsung discovered great. The thing we all know now, which is a huge desire for large phones because it was trying stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've just kind of come to this point of accepting that that uh, this is what Samsung does. And I'm glad that somebody is doing it out in public so that we can watch it uh, because it's not as fun to just know that somewhere there's a lab in Cupertino <laughs> where things are folding, but who knows what, what they're folding into. John? Yeah, I am also a mini user. And so from that perspective, 
the flip really does kind of interest me a bit because I there's but there's two things like I like I like having a smaller phone in my pocket. I also like having a smaller phone in my hand. And so if it flips out and it's a large phone, that's not exactly the solution that I'm looking for. Um, and I, you know, I'm willing to admit I probably don't necessarily know the best solution that I want. Uh, I would, I really like the look of this thing. Uh, I think it's kind of cool just to be able to pull out a small thing and be able to get immediate notifications and see what the time is and maybe the weather and stuff like that. It might be a little bit better if it was the whole back of the, you know, the one side instead of just down at the bottom, but I, I can see where they're going with it and it looks kind of neat. It is, it's in, well, it's interesting. It's certainly not anything that I would switch platforms for. I still hold that these foldables are a stopgap measure measure between what we have now and what we will eventually have in the future. Because the whole point of this, it feels like, is how can we get bigger screens into people's hands and pockets and bags without having to take up more space without having to shove an iPad into your pocket somehow. And what I feel is the eventual solution to this is this augmented reality future that, you know, is is very much still a futuristic concept, but would make any surface, any, uh, I mean, you know, holding out your hand potentially and having uh, options to to make changes or looking over at a wall and having the whole wall. And so instead of needing to have this uh, this device that we've we've put everything into and you can make it smaller or bigger depending on how you fold it or unfold it, the real future to me is the one where any surface any uh square or any open space becomes the screen that i want and maybe the the thing that's doing all the processing is a little cube that i put into a bag or what have you you know that's where i'm setting my sights and while all of these foldable phones are happening i'm just kind of going "Ah, can we just get to the next thing please (laughs) so i'm hopeful for that uh carolina why don't you round us out here I'm actually more intrigued uh, as much as I, I, I do appreciate the fold and the flip. They're very different, right? The flip is more of a uh, kind of wearable slash smartphone and the fold is tablet slash smartphone. I'm actually more intrigued on an iPad that becomes bigger when it's folded. And we started to see that on the Windows side a little bit with Lenovo. Um, but th- you understand very quickly that the operating system is, is a big part of the experience that you need to have. And so this morning, interestingly enough for me, was actually the app ecosystem that is ending up making a big difference from last year to this year, where, you know, Samsung has spent more time um, working with developers and, and key partners like Meta uh, and Netflix and Spotify to make apps that are designed and optimized for these form factors. And then I think ultimately is Apple's advantage, right? They, they don't have to convince somebody else to do certain things. You know, DOS would be optimized for it, whichever is, you know, iOS or iPadOS. And then developer community will just like, sure, we'll do whatever. Yes. The, you know, you have the volumes, you're proving us that there is a market out there. You give mm-hmm. us the tools and we're going to get there. Yeah. And that is four topics that so we're done, except for the bonus. That's right. We give you an every week. We give you a bonus topic, folks. <laughs> That's right. We say it's four. It's actually five. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this one, I want to go around and just ask everybody, since I'm taking my kid to college, do you have a favorite college or uh, if if not, maybe school in general, a memory that you like to share? 
John? Uh, yeah, actually, mine is from high school. We, I, my favorite teacher of all time was my uh, English professor, professor in high school. And, and, um, he, when we were covering Shakespeare, uh, we read Hamlet and he happened to mention that he's always wanted to have a skull. <laughs> A human skull. So ah. at the end of the year, um, we um, this is back in the early 80s when you could do stuff like get a medical you know catalog and order body parts out of what? the back of it. We ordered him a, a human skull um, and he was completely blown away by it. I mean, it just absolutely floored. And looking back now, I think, oh, my God, that was so presumptuous. I mean, we gave this guy a human skull. <laughs> what were we thinking? Um, and I, I, I he is um, someone who's super, super interested in the Apple world. And we got back in touch a number of years ago. After, I mean, he didn't really remember me from school, but he definitely remembered that incident. And I asked him about the skull and it was like, oh, yes, I still have it. And he sent me a picture. It has an honored place on his Aww. shelf. And so um, <laughs> it was it was really a nice memory. And um, I was glad to catch up with him again. That's amazing. So uh, back in high school, I was in Latin. Um, and we had the most amazing teacher shout out Nancy Briggs. Um, and she was retiring after my junior year of high school. Uh, and one of her favorite things was, as she called it, DDP, or as as uh, others would know it, Diet Dr. Pepper. She loved Diet Dr. Pepper. She would have one Diet Dr. Pepper every day at lunch. And uh, she, you know, oh, gotta have my DDP. And so what we did for her was nearly every single one of her students bought her a 12 pack of DDP. <laughs> and we came in the morning before she got there into her room and stacked them up. And <laughs> the stack oh almost went to the ceiling of the room. And of course, these this is a very, very, very old building. So it had very high ceilings. And so she came in and just saw this huge stack of DDP. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, we students who had vehicles that could help helped her take them out of the school so that she could take them home but just her face and uh that night we had like a goodbye banquet for her that her daughter had put together for her with uh former students and current students and uh it was just a delightful thing where she told the story of walking in and seeing the ddp stacked to the ceiling so uh very good stuff back in junior year of high school uh carolina what about you the one memory is actually from kindergarten where i was still in italy and uh, I was going to a, a kindergarten that was um, run by nuns. And we had just got a puppy. And I remember getting to school and kicking one of the nuns uh, in the shell <laughs> because I wanted to go home. To be with funny the puppy? <gasps> to go home with the puppy. Oh yeah, to the puppy. Um, so fast forward when I was in my early 40s. I saw that nun again because <laughs> I was visiting my family and she remembered that I did kick her, but she still loved me. Aww. So that was good. Um, for me, uh, the story I always tell, and it's funny because I, I was a communication major. I was not a math or science student, but in college, I had to take a year of calculus and um, <laughs> there was one one quarter where we did a test and, you know, you do the test and it's like a Scantron and you, you fill it out and you turn it in and they post the scores later. And 
Uh, I get to class the next day because it's or the two days later or whatever, and it's the next class. So it's basically going to be the review of the test. They're going to go. Everybody's going to raise their hand the questions they didn't understand. The professor will work the problems, and then you're like, "Oh, that's why I didn't get it right." So uh, posted outside the door is your student ID and the score you got on the test. And I walk up to the door and I look for my student ID, which I still remember that to this day, eight zero seven eight five five two five UCSD knows what I'm talking about, and uh, I got a hundred on it. And I thought, not Jason's oh, Password. Yeah. My yeah, God. Right. So I, I walk in. I'm like, well, I'm here. I, I'm all the way over here at the lecture hall. I might as well go into the class in case there's something I should know. I sit in the back row on the end. The professor comes out and says, all right, well, all we're going to do today is review. Um, let me put up the bell curve. Here's, you know, here's where oh, I broke no. the A's and the B's and the C's and the D's. And here's how many A's there were and how many B's. And then he stops and he says, there was one perfect paper oh my and everybody goes grumble 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 who's that jerk (laughs) at which point i stand up and i leave (laughs) boom (laughs) and that's my enjoyable memory from calculus math math uh math 1b probably did you you drop a microphone on the way out oh man if i had had one i would have dropped it let me tell you that was that was the best i'm like (laughs) see you lecture all full of suckers Uh, all right uh that uh brings us to the end of clockwise but Here's a reminder, if you'd like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic, I guess technically that would be the sixth topic, Whoa. you can become a Clockwise member. Just go to relay.fm slash clockwise. You can sign up for just $5 per month or $50 a year, and you'll help support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss spam calls and texts. Boo. All right. We have reached the end. All that is left is for us to thank our guests. John Moltz, thank you so much for being here. Jason, I hope I get to talk to you again. I hope so very soon (laughs) Carolina Milanese thank you so much for joining us I'm looking forward to the podcast you and Dan Morin do in the future (laughs) (laughs) thank you for having me and that brings us to the end of Clockwise we'll we'll be back next week with two more guests and four more topics but really five and sometimes six Uh, but until then uh, we will just like to remind you watch what you say and keep watching the clock bye everybody